When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey guys, just a quick heads up. This is an interview that I did all the way back in September at Fantastic Fest for the movie Swallow, which is coming out this Friday, March 6th. Go check it out. But until then, enjoy this interview. Everybody, and this is another bonus episode live from Fantastic Fest of Horror Movie Night, and I'm sitting here with Carlo, the director of Swallow. Hello, so uh, pleased to be here. Thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, so this movie really caught me off guard. I'm going to be honest because I I didn't know what I was stepping into with mm-hmm. it. Really, I you know with these types of festivals, they give you maybe like a one to two sentence description, and I was like, oh, this will be like wacky, and it actually is a very heavy film to me about the way that we kind of 
ignore mental illness don't don't respect people's ability like what makes them happy and trying to force people into this like little box at least that's my read on it was that always the intention with this film yes i mean i you know i'm i'm very interested there's a few things we're exploring you know in the film but what the film was inspired by my grandmother, uh, Edith Mirabella, who was a homemaker in the 1950s in an unhappy marriage who developed various rituals of control. Uh, she uh, was an obsessive hand washer um, who would go through four cakes of soap a day, 12 bottles of rubbing alcohol a week, and uh, I think she was looking for order in a life she felt increasingly powerless in. And my uh, grandfather, at the behest of the doctors, put her into a mental institution where she was given electroshock therapy, insulin shock therapy, and uh, non-consensual lobotomy. And I always felt that there was something punitive about it. She was being punished, you know, for not living up to society's expectations of what a wife and a mother should be. And so while we were making the film, I I wanted to make a feminist movie where I felt like um, somebody developed a compulsion that in a way became a sort of quiet rebellion against a sort of you know oppressive system, um, but it's also a film about um, exactly as you say mental illness and how, in some ways, you can you know a lot of mental illness films are you know are very clinical in nature they're not very emotional you know yeah. and and the idea is let's show this but people don't identify with the character because they're like ah looking at the symptom but. I wanted to be like to make a movie where people could say, "Well, I wouldn't necessarily consume a dangerous object, but I understand why she does it, and I understand the emotion there." There's so much stigma about mental illness in our society, and I think a lot of uh, people who struggle with it, you know, feel like they can't tell anybody about it, and they isolate, and then that's when things get dangerous. Um, and also, the way people are treated um, who have mental illness is is often problematic, and I think that. You know, there's a lot of amazing work that can be done um, to help everyone. I also think sometimes it can be an alarm bell in a way to sort of say, okay, well, let me reexamine my life. What's going on? What, what, why am I feeling this? You know, and maybe um, a way to get in touch with your, uh, with your core emotions as well. Yeah, it definitely has this, you're, you're sympathetic to her so quickly because mm. everyone in her life is so harsh mm. right out the gate. The scene after when she comes out of the hospital where they are removing everything from her mouth. Right. And her husband's just like, well, you should have fucking told me this before we got married. Like, that's a really fucked up thing to say to somebody, honestly. Especially, yeah. Especially since it's a newly developed thing. It's not like this was a thing she'd always done. Like, it's... I think that you really do a great job of putting us in a position where, you know, the... A lot of the movies I've seen so far this weekend, it's it's very blurred lines mm. between mm-hmm. people. This is a very clear, here is your hero, mm. and here are the villains. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah, I really, um, you know, I think there's a lot of attitude towards society where it's like, you know, just take OCD as an example. You know, the attitude is pretty much like, well, what's wrong with you? Snap out of it. You know, yeah. or like if someone has an eating disorder, the attitude is a lot of people get angry at that person. You know, why don't you just eat? You know, yeah. what's the problem? You know, snap out of it. And that kind of anger that people who don't have 
who have never struggled with a mental illness will direct towards people that have, I think often winds up becoming um, a punishment in a way and a, and a stigmatization. And it makes the situation worse, really. Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, when someone's dealing with depression or anxiety and they're just like, well, just stop. You know, your life's great. Just look at how bad it is for someone else. It's exactly. Like, that doesn't help. <laughs> no, it's a very complicated thing, you know, um, and, and it requires a lot of time and patience and work and understanding. Um, and I think that, uh, unfortunately, in our society, there is a lot of still that idea of like, you know, uh, get over it. Yeah. You know? What were some of the visual and uh, thematic inspiration that you pulled while working on this? So I, I got very lucky to have an incredible design team uh, on the film. Kate Arzmendi, my cinematographer, yeah. is like an incredible visual genius. And my production designer, Aaron McGill, you know, is so specific, especially a film about little objects, so specific yeah. about every, every, uh, every little thing. And if you look at the film, Aaron chose um, uh, every piece of larger furniture looks like it could be a smaller object that yeah. Hunter might want <laughs> to eat. Um, and then, of course, my costume designer, Leanna DeBrosia, is really amazing. So Kate and I um, and, and my whole team, we looked at a, a lot of different films. Obviously, the movies of Douglas Sirk were a big influence. Um, and Hitchcock, of course. Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, uh, Todd Haynes' film Safe was a big influence on us. Woman Under the Influence by Cassavetes. Um, Rosemary's Baby. There were a lot of movies that we looked at and thought, a certain style here, a certain aesthetic, you know, that intrigued us. Uh, part of what we're doing is that the film has kind of um, a stylized look. In a way, it feels almost a, a little uh, retro. And the idea was to kind of symbolize, in a way, the, the prevalence or the return of a 1950s kind of oppressive, patriarchal, you know, mentality. It really exists in its own time. Like there's like you know it doesn't feel like a 2019 movie but it also doesn't feel like a 1950s movie oh, it feels good. like it exists in its own special time period I like that idea <laughs> because I wanted the film to feel like we're really seeing the world through Hunter's eyes you know the, and so uh, as the movie progresses it gets less and less stylized and more realistic as she you know kind of reaches her place of clarity um, we also thought a lot about the idea of creating uh, Kate and I thought a lot about the idea of creating like a very rigid uh, camera direction vernacular in the beginning you know a lot of like lockdown shots master shots um, shots where Hunter seemed lost in the frame or oppressed by the environment um, but then at a key moment emotionally we'll break those sets of rules and introduce different kinds of camera movement and I, and I think that it you know it does what your goal is which is that the audience is kind of going through the same visual metamorphosis of the world that Hunter's going mm. through throughout the film uh, you know you mentioning Hitchcock I almost would love to see what this movie would look like in black and white because it feels like it could exist in that huh. same time period. <laughs> I never thought about that, but it'd be interesting. I mean, we did so much color work because I'm obsessed with Suspiria yeah. and I love the idea of like, <laughs> you know, emotions reflected through colors, but I should, I should try it in black and white and see. Just do it for fun. Just, fun and just do, feel, do like yeah. the Wizard of Oz thing where it turns colors yeah, slowly. Yeah, throughout. we should try that. <laughs> my, 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 uh, yeah, I'd be intrigued. <laughs> And I, the Suspiria reference too is you know that visual that visual pop. It, it's mm. got that. There's something about the cinema of the '70s, yes. really, with that color pop. Yeah, yeah. Brian De Palma and certain other you know filmmakers. Uh, I was very also influenced by uh, Jean Dielman, uh, that film by Chantal Ackerman okay. and La Captive. But those movies also from the '70s, you know, um, and the '80s. Uh, I think color was really used in a bolder way especially to convey various uh, psychological cosmologies or emotional, you know, uh, states of being. Hitchcock specifically, you know, was obsessed 
with those three colors, yellow, red, and green. Uh, yellow and red being his danger colors that he will <laughs> flash on the screen in Vertigo, but also it's the two colors of the, uh, of the tulips under which the uh, finger of, of the murder victim in Rear Window is buried. And then green, of course, is used in Vertigo uh, as a death symbol, you know, decay. <laughs> he always uses green. And, and, and I, I'm, I love that idea of color theory, and I really wanted to uh, explore it and lean into it in a film that's, you know, very much about psychology. Where did I, I think one of the most interesting characters in the movie is the live-in nurse ah. that comes in about halfway through. Where was the inspiration for that specific character? Because he probably is the most sympathetic—not probably—he is the most sympathetic mm. person to Hunter throughout the film. He's the most loyal to her, and essentially, he's hired to watch her. Yeah, I was very intrigued by that. Um, you know, we all know about Stockholm syndrome, right? Where you're yeah. you're 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 a captive, and then you identify with your uh, captor. But I like I wanted to sort of do the reverse, where like you know he's brought in, Louis is brought in from a completely different world. He's from uh, you know, I mean, he's a nurse. He's from Syria. He's experienced war, very intense um, you know life and death situations, uh, and he's brought in to really be Hunter's jailer. But I like the idea that. At first, they wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye, but then because he's been seen, you know, oppressive situations where he's been, you know, he's seen people uh, murdered and and uh, you know in a war zone, that he would start to see some similarities between that paradigm and this one that at first were unnoticed, but then he'd be like, oh, you know what, this is yeah, I, I get what she's going through because I've seen this and experienced this in a different context, and um, and that they would become un un unlikely. Uh, Comrades and allies, I thought was really interesting to me. And luckily, the, the, this great actor, Leif Knockley, agreed to do the role, and he was just marvelous. Yeah, he crushes it in this. So, it, obviously, most of the people who are listening are not here at Fantastic Fest right now to see the movie, which I believe is literally premiering in about 30 minutes. <laughs> um, where can they see it? Is there uh, any other film festivals coming up or is there a website or social media where they can see the next screening? So the film, I'm very grateful that the film will be released by uh, IFC Films, a okay. company that I've long admired. Uh, and they're going to put out the, the movie um, next year. So oh, it'll be in theaters and, uh, and will be online uh, through IFC Films. And I'm so thankful to them. I loved their movies for many years. So yeah, that's how people can see it. And uh, where can people follow what's next for you? Uh, well, um, I'm working on a sort of feminist supernatural horror movie, and among other things, and uh, I, I don't know. They'll have to just <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Carlo. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. 
As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 